dear listeners, welcome once again to Wisdom Within. We are the podcast and website encouraging mental health awareness, education, self-advocacy, recovery, and hope. We are here to support the 25% of the global population who live with mental illness at any point in time, whether diagnosed or undiagnosed, and also for the rest of the population who live with us, work with us, go to school with us, love us, and support us. My name is Kathleen Sirline. I am your humble pod hostess, and I'm also a New York certified peer support specialist in mental health. Wisdom Within is about encouraging, supporting, and advocating for those on a mental health recovery journey, and about believing recovery is not only possible, but entirely achievable. As always, we encourage any listener in need of immediate in-person support to seek that out, to contact their health providers if necessary, their support people. If you or someone you know are in a mental health crisis, we encourage you to seek professional assistance. If you are living here in the Finger Lakes region of Western New York State, you can call the Mental Health Emergency Lifeline by dialing 211. There's also the national toll-free suicide prevention hotline at 1-800-273-8255. You can also use that line not just to speak to someone, but it can also be used um, to text or chat with a counselor. Um, so we encourage you always to work with your healthcare professionals as key to a successful recovery. Oops. Sorry, got the wrong page. The pages were in the wrong order. I apologize, people. My outline was in the wrong order. Um, I am here as someone who has substantial lived experience through her own mental health diagnoses, as in multiple diagnoses, um, and an 11-year recovery journey um, at this point. Um, Because recovery is a permanent state, so we just keep on doing it. Um, And I've also got a lot of time and training in peer support work. Wisdom Within is a safe space and a judgment-free zone. Here on the podcast, we intend to remain apolitical and always supportive of our commonalities and our collective differences. We also bring a message of mutual respect and truly intend this as a safe space for all our listeners. Should you ever wish to contact us uh, directly, there are a few options for you. First, we are produced on the Anchor FM app. If you would like to download it, you download anchor.fm from your app store. Uh, And then once you have that, you can search and select Wisdom Within. And you will find once you're in there that there is a voice message link. And you can use that to just speak to us directly and leave us an actual voicemail. Um, If you do that, please be sure to let us know if you would like an email response. Uh, And be sure to give your correct email address. Another way to reach us is you can go to our website, wisdomwithinweb.com, which is what our podcast originally sprang from from. Uh, The website was started in 2016, um, and we invite you to check that out. There's a lot of great resources there for everybody. Um, So 
feel free to check us out there. You can then use that to, uh, there's a link on there that says join WW. That's for join wisdom within, not Weight Watchers, just so there's no confusion. Um, but you can use that join WW link to follow our ad-free, spam-free, calorie-free announcements. And so um, just know as well that when you do provide your email to us, it remains private. We never share our email list. I am the only person who ever sees it or responds. Um, and the only notifications that go out to the entire email list are when we have an announcement that we're airing a new podcast episode. But you can utilize the website as well to um, message me directly. And once again, that site is wisdomwithinweb.com. So thanks so much for being here with us. We're delighted that you've chosen um, to be with us today. And we will be back in just a moment for today's episode. So welcome once again, dear listeners, to the Wisdom Within podcast, Season 2, Episode 1, aptly entitled in this pandemic-weary world, Coping When Life Doesn't Go to Plan. Our source today is a piece called The Betrayal of Expectations. It's by Teresa Shimagawa um, for tinybuddha.com. Tiny Buddha is a great website with lots of simple wisdom for our very complex lives um, and a great resource if you're on a mental health and wellness journey. We're choosing this selection to share with you today as we begin, as we begin our second season, uh, as it seems hugely appropriate to the trauma and the grief and just the unfathomable loss um, that we've all experienced as a result of the COVID epidemic. Um, along those lines, if you have lost someone to the pandemic, please know that we share your grief. Um, if you are on the mend yourself, we send you our strength and our love and our wishes for a very strong recovery. Um, we hope as well um, that in general, we're all out there choosing safety, um, that we are all able to get vaccined up in the very near future uh, and begin being able to see our loved ones again and to just more fully participate in life. Uh, so let's jump into this piece today. For those new to the program, we often share timely written works um, to hopefully benefit our listeners. These are entirely someone else's writing um, that I give voice to here in this format. Um, and of course, we always credit the writer. So again, this is The Betrayal of Expectation, Coping When Life Doesn't Go to Plan. And we encourage you to just um, maybe think about what the writer is saying as it might be applied to some of our own experiences as we are now a full year into the pandemic and um, what that experience has brought to us in terms of um, uh, life not going to plan. And then we'll talk about it on the other side. 
Someone once said, what will mess you up most in life is the picture in your head of how it is supposed to be. I expected to get into college. I expected to have a career after a lot of hard work and that one day I'd meet a nice man and we would get married. We'd buy our house, we'd start a family, we'd have more babies, go on vacations and grow old together. I expected that one day I'd take care of him until he took his last breath and then I'd probably join a group with some other retired women and travel. My adult children would come over for dinner and we'd take family vacations with the grandkids every year. That's how it played out in my mind. I had a linear view of life. You go to point A, B, C, and so on. You do what you're supposed to do and you work hard. It was, seemed very simple, life with these expectations. You follow the recipe and then you eat dessert. Spoiler alert. Life was only that simple until the universe pulled the rug out from beneath my feet. It was, it was an ordinary school day when my life fell apart. These sort of things usually happen on ordinary days. My husband and I had both been teachers. We would wake up before the sun rose to begin our assembly line of breakfast and lunch preparations. And after we'd, after we'd uh, wrangle the children and get them dressed and ready to go, which was basically like herding cats, um, then he'd drop them off at their respective places and I would pick everyone up after school. In between all of that, we worked and we went to meetings and ran errands. At night, we'd bathe the kids and we'd cook dinner and tended to all the usual moving parts of domestic life. Except on that ordinary day, none of that happened. I woke up and found my husband dying on the living room floor. Out of left field, in an instant, he was gone and the life I expected was gone. I never considered the possibility of becoming a 34-year-old widow with a one-year-old I was still nursing and a three-year-old who was barely talking in sentences yet and a six-year-old who had only two months yet till his kindergarten graduation. I was thrust into this alternate reality of gnarled and tangled grief and it was in this new place that I had the painful realization that the life I knew the one that was familiar and most comfortable to me was over. My husband and I planned our kids. We even had number four, the one who would never be, scheduled on the calendar. And now, now I was a single mother and a widow. It's kind of embarrassing to admit, but during this time, I wasn't only mourning the loss of my husband. Sure, I, I missed him so much. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. I lived my days in exile, not knowing where I belonged. The tediousness of my new life as a single mom wore me down to the bones. 
the loneliness that festered inside of me created a painful hollowness that felt hopeless. The unfairness of this cosmic roll of the dice wanted made me want to give up more times than I would like to admit. But there was something else I was grieving. The loss of the life I expected to live. My dashed expectations. The trajectory of my life that was forever altered, altered now headed in an unknown direction. And it felt like it would surely kill me. We expect our lives to materialize the way we envision them in our hopes and dreams. When life doesn't go as planned, it can be difficult to reconcile the disappointment of our new reality. Resistance is the first defense. We don't want to believe or accept the change. This wasn't the life I chose. I, I deserved something better. I thought this seemed so patently unfair. Surely there must be worse people in the world that might be more deserving of this kind of lightning to strike them. Instead, why me? I clung to those thoughts and I let them bury me deeper and deeper into an abyss. The resistance might have been the catalyst to the darker parts of grief. It, it was such a disappointing, embarrassing revelation to realize I never actually had complete control. It feels like we were lied to all the years we spend with our first world blinders on, thinking we could plan every detail. It was cute while it lasted. Now it just felt stupid. We realize what expectations really are. They're nothing. Our expectations are never real. They're nothing more than the thoughts in our head. They're assumptions. They're desires of things we want to have in our lives. But they're never guaranteed. I mean, it's always been like that. But for me, it had been on a micro level, micro disappointment, like not getting a job I thought I really wanted or a relationship that ended. Losing a bid on a house. I never prepared myself for the real disappointment in life. Earth-shattering disappointment that makes our world crumble and introduces us to our new constant companion of pain. We usually think the bad stuff we hear about only happens to other people. We're aware that it exists, but not in our reality. It's just an abstract thing somewhere else in the world until it happens to us. You know, I remember how mad my husband used to get when I'd be surfing Facebook, bemoaning that, oh, so-and-so got a new car or how in love a couple seemed to be, and why can't we go to Hawaii like so-and-so? Everyone puts their best on Facebook, he told me. It doesn't mean anything. No, I insisted, shaking my head. So-and-so are madly in love. Look how passionate they are with each other. Why don't we hold hands like that? We have three kids under five, he'd say, rolling his eyes. 
I wish he had lived long enough to know that so-and-so got divorced. He would have told me, I told you so, and for once, I would have gladly told him he was right. It's memories like these that I like to lean into. Life can't be as horrible or as wonderful as it appears in my head. There has to be a middle ground. When I'm feeling an extreme of any emotion, I have to remind myself of this. It's just thoughts in my head, like sandcastles that are built out of feelings. And we know sandcastles get washed away when the tide rises and brings in a new day. It's not a matter of being a good or a bad thing. It just is. My expectations have been a thing that I've had to live with my entire life, too. I've always had high expectations for myself, like failure was not supposed to be a thing. As a widow, I found myself floundering in a new reality where I felt like I was constantly failing, legitimately not capable of doing what I once could. I didn't feel like I was the same mother to my children. This new me had less time and less patience. She was more tired and overworked and in pain. I had to learn to live with the limitations of my new life. My disappointment just pooled inside of me like poison. Nothing I could do was enough. I wasn't enough. Those are very toxic feelings to carry around when we are drowning in grief. But there's only so much time we can spend falling deeper into our pit of despair. One day we realize that we are no longer falling and have in fact reached the bottom of the pit. There we are alone with our despair. So sick of ourselves that we can't even handle our own negative thoughts anymore. We can't take one more second of it. But this is our moment. When the despair stops roaring in your ears and we get a moment of quiet, um, we can begin to think objectively about our life our new life. I realized what was wrong with me. My problem, I decided, came from my expectations. They were the root cause of my despair, not the death. I expected a long life with my husband, even though he was always a mortal being who was never promised to be mine forever. I expected a lot of things except for the only thing that was true about life. We are only guaranteed today. Yesterday is over. Tomorrow is unknown. I knew I wanted to live as best I could. I wanted a fulfilling life that was hopeful, that was joyful and meaningful. I'd have to change my expectations if I wanted all that. It was impossible to get rid of expectations completely. I'm only human. Besides, expectations do serve a purpose. They've helped me in life. 
they've also hurt me. The middle ground, I decided, was finding flexible expectations. I couldn't be rigid in my thinking if I wanted to have standards and goals, but I needed to have wiggle room for the inevitableness of life not going as planned. I had to become more resilient and strategic about my setbacks. I needed to have a longer term perspective and not feel like these individual moments in my life were the be all and end all. I needed to become less attached to a prescribed way of life. You realize that in a world full of uncontrollable circumstances, the most powerful line of defense that you have completely in your control is how we think. Our attitude, our perspective, is that glass half full or is it half empty? We decide that. How we think is our resilience, our ability to get back up, dust ourselves off. It's the way we know life is worth living, not only in the moments of joy, but also during the challenges and pain and during heartbreak. And this is the reason we persevere. Maybe my expectations never betrayed me after all. Maybe it was actually supposed to be one of my greatest teachers in life. Around a year after my husband died, I sat down and made a list of good and bad from the past year. It had gone by in such a blur that I felt like I needed to go back over the details. To be honest, I anticipated a pity party as I went back over all the terribleness that was that year. So the bad list, my husband died, single, that was it. The good list, new friendships, a loving community who showed up for us when we needed them. There were trips, I saw an old friend for the first time in 11 years. I've been more productive than ever with my writing, my Kids seem like happy and adjusted little people. We have a nice roof over our heads. I love my job. It doesn't feel like a job. We are reasonably healthy. I worked on the election, even if it meant precinct walking with the toddler strapped to my back as a single mother, but I did it. And so much more. I kept thinking of new things to add to the list. That was very telling to me because we tend to focus on the negative. My mind wanted to go back to the dark moments of this past year. But after rereading the list, after this period of time, after getting through this period of time, it was clear that the year wasn't all bad, that there were many bright spots in the hardest year of my life. Muji said, feelings are just visitors. Let them come and let them go. I try to always remember that. It is okay to feel terrible. You aren't 
broken for feeling that way. You just can't. You aren't broken for feeling that way. And we can't let ourselves get attached to those terrible feelings. We know there will be days when life is going to feel too hard. We will feel pain and loneliness and fear that will make us suffer. None of it reflects who we are. Nor does any of it is any, nor is any of it any indication of what our future has to look like. These feelings are merely temporary visitors. When these feelings visit me, I acknowledge them. I acknowledge the pain. I am willing to let myself hunker down a bit, maybe clear my schedule, maybe lower some of my expectations of productivity, those having those flexible expectations, maybe giving myself permission to just rest while I let these thoughts process and pass and let them be. And then I move on. It's not that we ever forget the pain. It's real. But the process of letting ourselves be with those feelings and then move on, that moving on is a way to compartmentalize. So the pain itself doesn't destroy you, doesn't destroy us. 18 months later, I'm a different person than who I was before my husband died. It's not the life that I initially chose, but in many ways, I am living a more intentional life with a lot more choice. There is some degree of excitement in what I call my renaissance. There are no rules. We just live as authentically as we can with what we have, doing the best we can. And that's it. No secrets. We live authentically with what we have and we do the best we can. Everything that you need to persevere is already inside of you. And this truth is liberating. So again, dear listeners, this piece is not saying our pain isn't here. It's definitely still here. But we are still here too. The author's line about realizing in a world full of uncontrollable circumstances that your mo our most powerful line of defense is how we think, that that's where our control lies, it's an aha moment, especially when we're considering this past year of COVID. We can choose. We can choose an attitude of negativity or allow fear to be in control or rage and grief. Overall, we've lost. And for a time, those are completely rational, understandable reactions. Yet if we choose to remain in those attitudes, 
if we choose to remain in those attitudes, we are taking away our own power of resiliency. Don't get me wrong, this has been one of the longest, hardest, most unhappy years of our lives. We have a right to be sad and mad and angry and every other negative emotion, completely understandable, completely legitimate. Also legitimate, the author's next line, that how we think is our resilience and gives us our ability to persevere. We can all do the exercise of making the bad and good lists for this past year. The, the pandemic would be at the top of the bad list for just about everybody and very likely a precursor of many of the other bad things you might have on your list. And for some of us, we may really struggle to come up with a good list. Um, you know, when we're in the midst of, you know, such loss and devastation or unemployment or, you know, no money in the bank or we're struggling to keep food on the table, it's hard to find positive in that. Um, if you are in need and receiving support through additional unemployment income or stimulus funds, yes, it's a mixed bag, but still good in some ways. If you have people you care about, beloved pets in your life, extended group of people to talk to, or maybe your plants are still alive, and you know, all that goes on a good list. Do you have enough food? Do you have a warm bed? Do you have a same space, a same a safe space? Um, do you have a spouse or significant other or kids or pets or parents and grandparents that make your head spin sometimes, but you all love each other anyway? That goes on the good list. Did you try new things in this year of isolation? Even if your experiments were unsuccessful, you tried them. That goes on the good list. Did you find new ways of doing things because COVID forced you and, you know, by turning everything upside down? The fact that we can rise to that, that, you know, we can good list, good list that stuff, people. Did we find ways to help others during the pandemic? Volunteering or joining research trials or donating to food banks or some other worthy cause to help lift folks up? Did we help our neighbors or support someone else through a long, hard time? All of that goes on a good list. Did we manage to reconnect with our old friends after a long period of, of being apart in isolation? Isolation has been horrible, but have you found some silver linings during it? Those go on the good list. None of us are ever gonna be the same as we were before this awful pandemic. We do have the ability to choose though in how we go forward and we can recognize that we can find ways to go forward and try to be even better than we were before to appreciate every good thing in every day of our life because we really only get to do each day of our life once we can choose how we make them count.
Life is always full of unexpected changes. Thankfully, they aren't all pandemics. Thankfully, we always have the power to choose, to choose how we move forward. Even if we need help or support to reach our goals, we still get to choose, to choose moving forward, to choose our next steps, to choose to live a full life despite what changes come our way, to choose hope. If our ancestors didn't do that hundreds of years ago, none of us would be here. Someone once told me that hope is an acronym standing for hold on, pain ends. And I have found this to be true. Pain comes to us all in, in, in all manner of ways in life, but it's never permanent. Sure, there is grief, there is loss, and we have to endure so many challenges sometimes, sometimes all at once. But time really does heal. I know it's cliche and it's hard to believe in the midst of things like we are currently in. But it has proven in my decades of life, I'm heading for six decades now. Well, I guess I'm in my, anyway, I'm getting there. Um, it's never, grief is never permanent. And time really does heal. But it's a choice, too. Healing is a choice. If we don't make the choice, we don't heal. We choose to heal, to recover, to make amends, to learn, to grow, to forgive, to keep moving forward one step at a time, even if that step is very, very small. It still counts. We really can choose. sincerely thank you for being a part of our Wisdom Within podcast today. We hope you found this episode helpful and we commend you for taking this time for yourself. Feel free to reach out to us at any time uh, here on Wisdom Within. You can reach us directly through voicemail on the anchor.fm app or message us on our website at wisdomwithinweb.com. We hope you will explore our other available episodes available across all streaming platforms and that you will share us with anyone who might need some encouragement. We look forward to having you with us again very soon on Wisdom Within. And until then, we wish you all good things.